Hello, and welcome to another episode of my canvas shop. Something along those lines. I'm here with my friend Trevor Martell, and we're going to sit down. We're going to talk about his new album or EP coming out, came out, and, um, you know, basic creative process sort of stuff, and then whatever. That sounds good to me, man. That sounds great to me. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Creative process is probably more important than the uh than the EP itself. The creative process is probably the most important part. Yeah. Honestly, it really is. You can adjust that microphone if you want to get close to your mouth. Is my mouth close enough? Okay, right. Yeah. Here. Yeah, you need to be right around there. I can put up the volume if you want. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. All right. I think that's pretty good. How y'all doing? Y'all tuning in? Yep. Are we all tuned in? We all in key? We're in the key of D tonight. It's a key (laughs) of D. (laughs) All right, got it. Key of D. First question. What have you been up to? Um, I was traveling around doing some bass with a project. came back around to the west realized the west is the best hmm. and um knee piece sprung from that very very quickly seems like it did uh yeah it was it was super quick so what yeah, was the project quick. called profit drama profit drama oh no that's the that's your ep oh project what was the one you were touring with odd fellas odd fellas yeah they're cool guys out of texas good friends in the Panhandle of Texas, mm. we would uh, go play shows. Amarillo, Amarillo. Well, around that area, it was like uh, we'd go do sh- shows with Buck Cherry and Puddle of Mud, and then go <laughs> mow lawns in the Panhandle of Texas. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I have an aunt interesting that lives in Amarillo. I've really? been there once before. What? Yeah. What the hell? Damn. Uh, the the. The most that I remembered from that whole trip was a lot of flatness, a lot of wind, and then we went to the Cadillac Ranch. Did you ever go there? No, I never went to the Cadillac. I, they told me about it, but they never, I never that went was there. interesting. When we were leaving, there was like six Asian dudes dressed what? up as Elvis <laughs> going to <laughs> the Cadillac see that. Ranch. Going to the Cadillac. Wow. Yeah. That's perfect. That's perfect. Pretty fitting. That's perfect. You guys were playing with Buckcherry and... Puddle of mud. Puddle of mud. <laughs> Where at? <laughs> it was uh, just basically parts of Texas, Kansas, and uh, Missouri. Okay. Yeah. And, it, you know, those shows were mostly a few hundred people each show. You know, it was cool to mm-hmm. be around for those guys to do that music. Um, Did you spend much time with them? Every the day. Every, oh, with the other bands? Yeah. I wish. Yeah, they were all pretty busy, I mean they're they're all having a good time doing their thing. And I'm just this guy from the West Coast. Just hi, nice to yeah. meet you. I'm from Oregon. Hello, I'm pr- I'm a fr- I'm from a town you've never heard of, and I'm just like okay, yeah, yeah. So I would say Portland, you know, if because that's where I was born. Outside. That's what everyone thinks. Yeah, I mean that's that's like the only thing you could say to make the connection, you know. 
if you said, you know, like I'm from sisters on the outside looking in, they would be like, mm-hmm. I'm, f- I'm is there from a my brothers? sisters. There's, I've gotten that one before. Is, is there, there a brothers? A brothers? Yeah. yeah. It's about 45 <laughs> minutes away. <laughs> you sisters don't want to a there. lot better. Yeah. You know, a lot better than brothers. There's nothing in brothers. <laughs> um, I read a, um, a fact sheet about brothers while getting a burger there. That was, that was decent. Mm. Um, they talked Neat. about their birds. They had pictures of their birds. Yeah. <laughs> That's cool. The only town in the whole United States that has birds <laughs> is Brothers, Oregon. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, I had to, since I was just on that trip to Chicago, I spent way too much time over explaining where I was from. Were you talking about birds I or what? No, no, I wasn't talking about birds. I would just feel like it was necessary to explain, oh, I'm from like the sunny side of Oregon. People sunny don't know side. that there's the, the the desert side of Oregon. Everyone just associates it with Portland and Eugene and the Valley. I don't know. You have to say the Valley, but it, yeah, it is a desert, but certain parts, not, not really Chicago, but certain parts are definitely desert, like uh, Phoenix. That's a desert. Oh, yeah. That's a r- desert, desert. It's almost like this is de- desert level one, and there's a there's a level two and level three. Well, we're, we're level one. Yeah. But it is the desert, for sure. But It's the, the high desert, because we're still halfway in the mountains. Oh. Uh, yeah. Well, anyways, that's enough geography, do you think? Do you have anything more to add to the geography of... Other than I'm terrible at geography, (laughs) I guess that would be my end of that conversation. Fair enough. So going back to the tour that you just did playing bass, how did that influence your album EP that you Mm -hmm. just put out? Um, With Moon, honestly, it was uh, just probably being around different kinds of people. Like Dalton had called me out on a few things. Like when I was I was getting to play this double SG writing a song on it, and the first thing my uncle says is, "There's a Confederate flag behind you." So I wasn't even aware of 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 that being there. So I was playing there, playing the guitar there, writing a song, and there's a huge flag behind me, which that attaches you to a certain kind of mindset, and I wouldn't you know, like judge any Confederate for doing what they do, but that's definitely not how I think. Yeah. So it was like, it was weird having like an image be posted that had a, an entirely different uh, vibe to it that I was attached to, but I didn't even mean that wasn't even purposeful at all. I was just standing in a room, mm-hmm. but there's this big flag behind you that says, of what I say is based under this thought process because of the flag, which is a very inbox format to like of a way to think, you know? Okay. So you were saying that very strange people's perception of what you were saying. Yeah. I would walk, I would walk down the, the I would walk down the road to just go get food, just like burrito shop. 
and people at stop signs would be like, what the hell? They literally say out line, out, like out loud, what the hell? And then look, look at me right in the eye with glasses on, on their, on their, on their motorcycle, which I love cycles. So that's a very strange thing, right? What were they surprised by? I get, I, West coast look maybe, or I probably looked like a Portland hipster to them is probably what I looked like, which, yeah, that's a thing too. But I mean, it was very, it was a very strange, uh, like environment to be in, honestly. Yeah. Very strange environment. Yeah. It definitely changes your perception of places when you travel around a lot. Well, traveling through, you're there for like a night or two and you get a taste of things and then you move on if you're on a tour. Mm-hmm. But living there was a different story, right? I mean, living That's in like true. living in Nashville, you get that whole, a very cool Southern hospitality thing that goes on between people. Very awesome. And then in Texas, you get a whole different ball game, which is in the Midwest. You'd have a misconception with people with a Confederate flag. People here in Oregon would judge those people. They were actually very nice, very giving, very generous. Um, so, it, like I said, it's a very strange experience because mm-hmm. to my friends back home, they comment saying, like, you have a flag behind you, but... The only reason I didn't notice that is because a guy was really nice to me. So (laughs) how much, I mean, I don't know. Humans are humans, man. It was really cool to be around that while I was writing the moon EP. Um, And a lot of it was written in Texas uh, while I was doing that, doing those shows just in the van and stuff. Mm. So that's kind of, I am. I probably can't even come up with a, a full explanation to those influences because they're, you know, with art, it's hard to, it's hard to pinpoint what your inspiration is until it's too late. But it's yeah. not too late. Is a that doesn't really well, matter. But are you thinking of something kind of along the lines of like life is only understood backwards? You know, mm. so you don't see mm-hmm. your inspiration until after it's created. Exactly. I mean, you can't, yeah. all you can do is create in those moments. So if you have a moment where you feel in, uh, inspired to create something, uh, whether it's through one friend or maybe you travel um, and influence from their art. But I mean, in that moment, you can't, it's so hard to pinpoint exactly where it comes from because it's so subconscious. It's your mm-hmm. it's your artistic reaction to what's going on around you, your environment. Like uh, the couple times that I've been able to um, experience, like Polisemi's music, has been far and few between in the last couple of years. And just the other day, two two days ago, we're playing a thing, and it comes with the with this drum loop to a keyboard loop, to an organ loop, to a saxophone, which is, it's like, okay, I've been, I've been away. And then I got to come back to witnessing something like that. Like that's a very great creative process to be around, to witness happening. You know, it's, it's, it's organic and it's real and it's, it's living and breathing and changing. And Mm -hmm. it's like, I mean, 
I didn't get any sort of fame or notoriety for anything from doing my travels, but it wouldn't matter if, if I became some in the world and came back to my home and saw somewhat another artist like growing, that would be probably more potent to me and more meaningful than anything else really. You know, it's almost like a reminder that your home is more important than like anything really. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's definitely like the commercial aspect that kind of, uh, stifles what you were talking about like the whole creative process of digging out things that are unconscious and like making them conscious yeah then once you get some sort of commercial success or you're trying to then you have to kind of like stay within a box i couldn't even and imagine some people that. pull it off i some couldn't even people imagine are able to make that, like pop music that they they work really well within that box yeah and they like mac demarco yeah i mean now even a lot of bear even now is kind of in that pop format yeah sort of thing even i would think kind of a lot of rappers too would be a good way because rap is soundcloud rappers uh well rappers in general like take um i don't know like a kanye west or a kendrick lamar yeah like they've got a pretty specific box that they're within musically right. but they do like explore different ideas and I mean, things butterfly as as with with kendrick that was definitely the most like expansive sound wise I mean, butterfly got, which record is that off of? uh pimp butterfly oh yep that record with with flying lotus producing it it's like a whole different ball game man i mean it brings like this crazy jazz fusion and then with thundercat on bass is like a it's like a whole different ball game of music and then and then Kendrick throws what he's gone into already with uh mm-hmm. Dr. Dre's promote you know uh production and stuff goes into that it's like that's next next level music man it's crazy you're the even... one that turned me on to that when oh. it came out you were telling me to listen to it yeah. <laughs> you're pretty evangelical I feel like with that <laughs> album you you talked about it pretty frequently I did but oh, shit. not without any sort of like credence because i think it's really good oh yeah i hope so yeah because that 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 music is way above what i do so did you ever spend much time analyzing the lyrics of to pimp a butterfly um as a white west coast boy it's almost like no matter how much i could decipher i can't relate (laughs) completely you know but they're but there's that aspect with with the music because I'm personally really influenced by it um, lyrically, especially. But it's strange because you can't go to certain places that that you're not. Uh, I I want to say knowledge with, but that's probably not the right word. Um, mm-hmm. It's almost like it's an ignorant perspective. If you didn't grow up in poverty, you almost can't truly speak from that perspective. You know, yeah. So it's like I can I can really appreciate and and whenever I feel like I'm not um, culturally accepted or something like that, um, that can come out. But at the same time, it's it's just inspiring to be around, man. I mean, like mm-hmm. I listen to rock and roll 
folk music and hip hop the very most. That's I bounce between the three very very often because I, I they're really simonious. Like they don't uh, they all bounce off each other. You know, it's it's really cool. Yeah, I think they all kind of had the same sort of roots too in like blues. Mm-hmm. It all ends up being blues. I know. Yeah. I mean, the big question is, where did rap come from? It's rhythm and poetry, so that's that's blues that's music. That's pretty much blues, yeah. It's an awesome thing, man. I, it's, I think <clears throat> I watched an Eminem interview one time. I can't remember what video it is, but he, he said one of his biggest inspirations was Bob Dylan. Interesting. Which I thought was crazy. Never guessed that. Never would have guessed that that. before. But then once I, it clicked in my mind because like his his wordplay with rhyming every every four or five words is very Bob Dylan, and Bob Dylan did that before anybody else. So that would mean that Bob Dylan was Eminem's blues, essentially. Mm. You know, like playing quick word. Like uh, uh, Johnny's in the basement mixing up the medicine. I'm on the pavement thinking about the government. The man on the inkwell, holy weather, whole hound. You know, like rhyming everywhere. I'm not good at it, but yeah. you know, uh, you take something like that, and it's like that was a folk song in sixty, must have been sixty-seven or something when that came out. And then you shoot twenty-five years later. And you have a song where rhythmically the lyrics are the exact same as they were 40 years prior. It's crazy, man. I mean, mm. that's insane. I, it just, it, yeah, it's a super inspiring time to be in music. That's cool to think about. It's I've also, only. No, you're good. Yeah. Oh, you can go ahead. If you got to finish a thought, go ahead and finish a thought. <laughs> it's, it's a beautiful time to be in music, but it's also very cynical. Because you're in a vast ocean of many, 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 many fish doing the exact same thing as you, putting in just mm-hmm. as much work as you while they're doing a daytime job or a nighttime job in between. So it's really, yeah, it's really difficult to be the first person to do something again. Because it's always it's always more difficult to be the second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, because then you got to top the first guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and with music, yeah, it's difficult. I guess a lot of people mix a lot of different genres together. Like with jazz and hip hop kind mm-hmm. of they yeah. I mean they started like interlacing together in the 90s. Like Herbie Hancock made Oh, uh, Watermelon Man? No, not Watermelon Man. He made an album called This Is The Drum. This Is The Drum. This Is The Drum, like with a lot of D's in it. And um, it was a hip hop album. What year? Early nineties. Damn. I don't remember exactly. Damn. It was pretty good. It sounds like the nineties. Yeah. But he, he, I feel like he was probably one of the first like straight up jazz guys to start experimenting with that. That's cool. And he's That's always awesome. been. He's a great musician. He's always been experimenting with different things. Huh. Like with through the eighties, doing all of the jazz, funk, electronic keyboard stuff. Right. I feel like he was one of the first on that bandwagon too of the jazz people to jump onto the messing around with keyboards as like a a synthetic instrument almost. 
because mm-hmm. he started experimenting with more uh, like different tones that would later become not yeah. what I can play on my phone. A little know? bit. A you little bit. It's there's emulated. There's nothing that can replace those no, old no. school keyboards. Yeah, yeah. It's emulated <laughs> off of what what people like Herbie Hancock did. Yeah. You know? It's well, there's also, man, there's also these outliers like uh, Pat Metheny. You ever listen to that guy? He's a jazz guitarist. And he plays this Roland synthesizer guitar mm. that was a total failure. Was no it? one liked it. But he was, (laughs) for some reason, he was the only guy that, like, understood the instrument. And it's been a critical instrument for him since, like, the 80s onward. And he still plays it. To this this old, Yeah. Yeah. yeah, He makes all these kinds of weird sounds that he's worked into his jazz fusion discography. That's crazy. And, um, yeah, I guess, I mean, I guess that's one way to be a little bit different yeah find some weird instrument to incorporate i mean this fell off i mean um with uh profit drama that project uh mm-hmm. there was some interesting interesting ways of creating music so uh use utilizing the phone and like a mobile recording setup my goal was to have if I could have a clean vocal that could go through a mix, just like a pop song on the radio or something, that's what I you know, referenced it to. If I could have that and be able to record that mobily, that would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then through traveling, it essentially forced me to get that setup made. And so what what happened was songs got based off of that but i'm still learning how to use those tools so the moon and sunny p from profit drama are really more just me experimenting with a mobile recording setup than actually having it figured out yeah a, a couple like the last song on the moon ep is uh it's a sample of me walking listening to the song in texas outside of amarillo um while dogs were barking at me. And so what I Mm. utilized that for was like, that's the intensity building. It's almost like if you were to think of, um, if you're like in in an intimate situation with a lady or something, and you guys are building towards orgasm, what they would call that, right? You build towards something. I've heard someone call it that before. Yeah. (laughs) It's, you know, it's a nineties term. Yeah. (laughs) Um, uh, you build towards that. And uh, when I was listening to this song, walking down the street just to get a pack of smokes, uh, these dogs were barking at me and they became naturally louder and louder and louder and more intense. And all I had to do was walk around a corner. So mm-hmm. I had the mic recording it at the same time and that became a transition in the song. But it was literally from me just walking down the street, which for me... Being like a rock and roll guy, always just bass, drums, guitar, vocal, and, you know, you do your thing. It's like, for me, it broke broke boundaries to me because I was like, wow, I could resample my life and put it into a song. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a a deeper level of uh, appreciation for doing it, just the act of doing it, you know. Those dogs would be happy 
to be in that recording. <laughs> They're like happy dogs, man. Well, I'm sure they are. <laughs> what sort of uh, setup did you have for your phone with recording this? Did you have any gear attached to it that you it's, used? It's uh, a phone. It goes to an adapter that can charge it and take a USB in. And then whatever audio source I want to put into that USB. So a synth or a microphone. Um, and then I just got one off of Sure. Uh, oh, to cool. do yeah to do a mic um that you very plug minimalistic in. yeah super minimal yeah um but it's cool because i mean the the phone's daw is essentially a regular daw that you could have on a computer it's just mobile so you can plug it in in headphones and hear exactly what it's going to sound like on the mix mm-hmm. when someone listens to it you know um you can even just bounce it mp3 and hear exactly how it will sound if it's streamed on Spotify or something. Yeah. It's like, dude, the old the old dinosaurs of like production and stuff, they they didn't even have those tools. Like the fact that we can record something and inst almost instantly hear it how people will listen to it is crazy. That is a whole new realm of art. It's almost it's almost visual. It's not it's not like visual art, but yeah. It's getting to a new peak, a new place because you can share it so quickly, man. I mean, the fact that I can record on a phone and put it straight onto Spotify for anybody in the world to hear is insane, man. I mean, that's hmm. that doesn't mean that the music's good or better at all. Yeah. I I could be as shitty as an, of an artist as anybody else, but <laughs> You can you can share well, it. Yeah. And that links I've I've been hearing this guy talk about this idea of um infinite leverage. Mm. And so he's like his his main thing is like you got to start a business and figure out something that'll give you infinite le- leverage, which is like computer code, um audio that you can reproduce ad infinitum mm. so that um it like continues to grow yeah and kick back to you financially even when you're sleeping and stuff is his main point because it's so instantaneous right yeah it moves so quickly way quicker than time could ever exist for man i mean oh yeah that's nuts literally insanity if you if you were to (laughs) if you were to tell that plan to somebody in the 60s they would look at you like you're an alien Mm mm-hmm yeah in the 60s the question would have been well who's gonna who's gonna make it happen who's gonna do it (laughs) and now i guess i now maybe we're asking the same thing it's like we have these crazy new tools and how can we utilize them to the the most productive way you know Mm -hmm. whether whether or not it's starting a business if you start a business now it's like uh uh, think about someone like uh, Coca-Cola. They own most of the of the sodas that you can buy at a store. Yeah. Most of those things you see on your phone in everyday life in an advertisement. So we have, you and I have the same tools that a corporation has to yeah. share our, our product and our art. Um, it's almost... That's true. It's almost unfair, but it's not because it means that if somebody has something good, it can be shared. 
yeah. I think that's and like independent art is probably the most vital right now than it ever has been in, in like history. Probably until something like the like the distill movement when um in Rome when um all the art forms changed to simple shapes again. So they all went back from being mm-hmm. like valigant uh, cathedrals with the most extravagant art you could ever imagine to simple shapes like a triangle and a circle and a square. When was this? Is this ancient Rome or modern Rome? Uh, I guess it'd be modern Rome. I'm probably wrong, but it, okay. it, it's 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 past... Uh, it, it was like... It was, it was after Renaissance... Mm-hmm. I know that. That's where yeah. I know about it. So, well, my my perception of what modern is because I've been reading a little bit about that whole, well, predominantly about avant garde art. But to get to avant garde art, you have to go through the whole history. And modernism really started in the middle of the nineteenth century, so like the eighteen okay. fifties. Okay. And what yeah, you're yeah. describing yeah. is um, the move from classicalism to aestheticism. So right. So classicalism. How, how, how can something look appealing and simple? Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? The I think the move was kind of classicalism was very complex, obviously, and a lot of it had like some sort of social connota- connotation to it, and predominantly religious, especially mm. in Rome. Okay. And then yeah, yeah, when, you to, when you get to when you get to aestheticism, that's when you get simple shapes, like you get seascapes. I love seascapes. Seascapes. And um, things that don't really have like a meaning, but they're beautiful. And then um, that goes on for a hundred years. And then you kind of get avant-garde art, which is a little bit more, um, not even Jackson Pollock. Jackson Pollock would Mm. still be modernism, modern aestheticism. Avant-garde art would be more like Warhol, Andy Warhol. And it's like Campbell's soup cans. Yeah, yeah, I mean a lot of his a lot of his film is very simple. It's I've very never seen his film. How well, much of that have you watched? Uh it's been fifteen minutes worth probably. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, super short. Um what it was, was from a buddy in Southern Oregon. I can't he was a friend of uh Slow Corpse. If you ever I, heard of I Slow Corpse. The name. I probably saw them from, at some point. From Southern Oregon. Um and Juniper Berries. Um, all their friends, I, I watched something, something from Andy on like a YouTube video or something. And it was so strange because they'd have like an abstract piece exactly like the one you can't see this on the internet, but the one that's sitting behind the interviewer, (laughs) it's, they'd be like that, but then they'd shoot to a cut of like blank white and just your face. So they'd almost mold, um, an abstract way of looking at at something to very simple at the same time. So he'd shoot from something very abstract to something very simple, almost like mixing different art styles together, which I, I mean, I've, like I said, I've only watched 15 minutes or so. Yeah. I need to become a little more knowledge. Maybe next. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe tomorrow. Tonight. Tonight. (laughs) After I walk home, I'm I'm gonna do some research. Yeah, I might too as well. <laughs> um, uh, we can go back a little bit. I had a question earlier. Cool. 
Uh, so I, you were showing me a song, and before it, you released it off of the Moon LP, I don't remember well, exactly which one it was. Oh, it must were, have been the last song on it. I think 110 Eyes is what I call it. Yeah, but you were you were mixing it while we were talking. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> How often did you do that? Every day. Every day. Yeah. I mean, man, I I take the the structure and arrangement and mix very seriously, as serious as I can with still being a friend to somebody. So it's like um, I'll show somebody something and not really even tell them that I'm taking in their opinion on the mix. Hmm. You know, it's just like, uh, for example, the other night, even six days ago, uh, Sunny P will come out next month, um, August, uh, end of next month. Uh, and a track on that I was showing to a friend. And what I did was I played Kendrick. I'm pretty sure I played Bob Dylan somewhere in there. And then I snuck in a, a new song of ours, but I didn't say that it was. And then they had asked, who was that singing? And I said me responding, you know, to get my mm-hmm. ego pleased. And <laughs> um, and they said they didn't believe me, but that's the funny thing that happens with that. When you show somebody a piece of art, um, if you don't let them know that it, when they're not consciously knowing that it's you, it becomes non-bias. So you get an honest opinion. Mm-hmm. So if I'm mixing a song, that's that's the most concrete evidence I could have against my case of whether or not the song is good enough to put out <laughs> to people. <laughs> you know, um, Unfortunately, I did tell you, so I failed. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think I asked. I was like, "What do you? Yeah. What did you record this on? And what are you doing on your phone?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm like sitting there tapping on it. Yeah, because it didn't look like you were texting. No, um, and that's <laughs> the cool part is uh, whenever I'm on the dot of the phone, no other apps will work. It'll I'll have oh. pop ups, but I can't do what I'm doing whilst doing that. So it, it forces me to be off my phone even yeah. though I'm on my phone. <laughs> this is very weird. <laughs> yeah. But th- there's definite four to six hour chunks of time during the day that are dedicated to that every day. Um, That's how you do it. Yeah. How is this the first project that you've like mixed like that before? And yep. snuck into conversations with yep. all these black ops tactics. On and that's profit drama. That's <laughs> You're in profit drama, man, when you're yeah, trying to sneak in stuff and being mm-hmm. like, oh, this sounds really good, you know? It's like when the drums first kicked on on that Moon Repeat song, I remember you saying, oh, those drums sound really good, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I did all those, not even a drummer. So it's like, for me, it's like, okay, I did good. Did you I, program them? I programmed and then tracked live on top. That's oh, what I did. okay. Yeah. So it mixes... Uh, program drums and live drums whenever it needs to. I don't know. I think we're at a point with art where it doesn't matter where it comes from, analog or digital. You can you can utilize things in great ways, and there's things about both mediums that are so important. Mm-hmm. You know, putting your hand 
on a paint board to to make a piece of art. You can't yeah. do that on a phone or a touchpad. I mean, come on. You can't do that. You can emulate it, sure. But if that's what you're trying to get to, nothing's going to make that happen unless you put it down on, on the pad. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, there's a lot that's really hard to emulate. Like the different, um, I forget what it's called in digital work recording stations, but the the velocity at which you hit like a snare head or mm-hmm. something like that, mm-hmm. it changes a little bit for each hit if a human's playing it and it's hard to replicate. I know some people that have done it. This dude named Devin Townsend recorded an album using just like the very rudimentary first easy drummer drum kit. And it sounds fantastic. But he, he, so slaved, he obviously wrote he to that away at that. Yeah. He wrote to the drummer obviously then. Um, he does a lot of back and forth. At least I think specifically with that album, there's a lot more back and forth between him like playing to a drum track and then changing the drum track to fit with the guitar riff that he just came up with. That's nice stuff. Yeah, that's good. But that's he did cool. a lot with changing the velocities at which you hit it to kind of randomize I've been doing it that. a little that's, bit. That's what I've been doing. The uh, smart. It's. When I say it's on the phone programmed, it doesn't mean it's coming from the phone necessarily because what I do is I I have a synth where I will bar by bar if the kick drum is hard, is hit too hardly, I'll change it, the velocity of what what it's hit. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like if I were to tell a drummer on this very snare hit, you have to be lower energy but the symbols have to be high energy yeah you know it's like like that kind of thing Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying instead of like it's a very different attack yeah it's essentially riding the same way just like you would in person and it's like it's almost like you're telling the computer what to do i think that's that's really cool you know i mean because it, it's like if, if you want to make a physical, like I'm looking at this piece with, with the two eyes, if you wanted to make that, if you wanted to pull that 3D effect because you've clearly made that 3D effect already, and if you wanted to pull it out, you would have to use digital representation to the human eye to make that happen. So there's nothing wrong with that. But that it doesn't mean... That when you're making the fucking piece, you gotta make it alive. You have to pl- mm-hmm. play the instrument. You know, um, I am 100% all for somebody making music completely electronically. I am a sound is a sound. If you want to get, however you want to get it. Oh, yeah. um, but never. It's important to physically, as a human connect with a piece of a piece of wood yeah you know it's really vital man you know you kind of brought something up right there the dead and alive terms are very sub like subjective terms that i hear in art a lot dead and alive yeah like when something's just not quite there yet like it's kind of it's dead it's flat it's like not finished but when something's done, it like has a life to it. It has a feel, uh-huh. right? You can feel something to it, a movement or something. 
and it's hard to describe. Do you want to try and describe that? What I mean, it means when you when you listen to a song that you made and you're like, ah, finally there's some there's some life in this fucker. What there changed? are a couple. There are a couple that I I do feel that actually, mm-hmm. yeah. What changed? Well, okay, I guess before not I ask everyone that, before you got to that point, did they feel flat, like quote unquote dead? Yes, and all of those were recorded analog. Okay, so that's ironic. <laughs> I so felt I felt more something digital because I got to move it the way I wanted to uh, with patrimony with all those early recordings and stuff. We recorded everything live, but that doesn't mean that the energy is right. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you put your hand on it doesn't mean it's right. So sometimes, you know, if 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 you take a digital tool and you use it as a human, it's almost like if that's your goal to get somewhere new, you know, with uh, Profit Drama, I feel like I got to a new um, ethereal realm to create music in. Um, and that to me feels very fresh, super fresh. Do you um, think that was the main difference? You kind of tapping into this subconscious energy yeah. that you brought out. That's what kind of gave it the life. Well, it wanted to, I've had the phone for three years. Yeah. I've had the tools there the whole time, but it was whether or not my, my ego, you can say ego or you can say, um, Maybe your humility or something, or I don't know. It yeah. mean, you know, for years, man, years, like go with patrimony and just tour as much as you can and throw as much money at it as you can. But at the end of the day, if your goal isn't to make good art, what are you doing it for? You know, are you doing it yeah. to. just get laid at the end of the night or be fucked up or say, yeah, I did this thing and people were at it. Oh, woohoo. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. it's a good point. And that's, that's a good point that uh, why live music has suffered because it's like, do you really need to, if, if somebody can perfect an audio recording exactly how they want you to hear it and you get it, do you really need to see that in person? It only, in my opinion, only if it's different that you really mm-hmm. need to see it in person. A lot of the times it's better to see a group in person. Sometimes, well, probably more often than not, it's worse. Right? So there's I a very, I, and I feel like it's not a fine line. It's a very thick line. Like you're either on one side or the other. And I feel like, what makes a performance good is when like everybody's got the same vision for mm. what's being played. Right. And they can put their own energy into it. Every, everyone with their pieces of the puzzle, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like uh what, okay. I want to say, what's that movie? It's uh it was, it, I think it came out last year in 2018 and it was a collage. I think, you know what movie I'm talking about? I'm so out of the loop with movies. A collage. Was it the Van Gogh movie that everyone painted? It was like 160 painters or something. They took like two, three years to make it. 
but was it's, it about it's Vincent a live Van Gogh's it's a, life? I think so, and it's it's a whole story, yeah, but it's animated it. by physical paintings. Mm-hmm. That to me, right there, that's like, um, it's almost like how like Led Zeppelin hit music in '69, but modern. Hmm. Like that, that's my opinion on that. Is like they they utilized digital format, but. I think it was 160 plus artists all physically made paintings Yeah, to retribute it, to make the movie. That to me is like after you have the whole passing of electronic music and pop music on how it's inflected on all art forms, you know, take artists like uh, from Jonas Brothers to... Uh, uh, Justin Bieber to Billie Eilish or something. Mm-hmm. The art, the artists that were included to make that movie are just as important to me. You know what I'm saying? It's almost like they, even though you, they may not be on the main stage, it does like, it doesn't yeah. matter. Like, what does it, what does it mean to be a, like a star? You know, it's like if you put out a piece of art, Especially like I was saying with that movie, whatever the movie that is, I don't even know the title of it, but whatever artists were included in that, like they were a part of something way bigger as far as art goes in history Mm -hmm. for generations, man. I mean, they'll be more known 200 years from now than, than they are now. Yeah. You would hope so. I would hope so. I mean, it's definitely, there's going to be very few popular artists that actually like get that kind of recognition, even though a lot of them are really good. Yeah. I like Billie Eilish. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of it has to do with proliferation of what you're making. Well, Billie comes in on like a, like a perfect time in music, like music like needs someone like a 17 year old that writes music with her brother and gets it put out professionally through labels, major labels Mm. and has that promoted. That's punk rock. That's Nirvana. That's the same fucking thing that happened 20 years ago. So it's needed. Like something, something like that is needed in music, but like, that's not really like uh, rock and rolls role or my role or anything like that. You know, it takes a special person to be that. You know, that's not really, yeah, like the kind of role that I probably used used to be interested in wanting, wanting to be, mm-hmm. but not really anymore. Kind of like a, a pivot point sort of role, like something that changes the game a little bit or just it is. like a, a, a star. No, I mean, modern music in general has changed how I want to be an artist. It, it really has, man. Mm-hmm. I mean that very humbly. It's, I've never felt more, um, was that com- a recent comfortable, change? comfortable in my own skin. Was that a recent change or is that the idea that you were talking about pursuing earlier uh, it, in your life? It was the idea, but it hasn't come to fruition until now. It took a long mm. time. It took a lot of, uh, humility and failures and, um, a lot of ego battles, honestly, man, you know? Yeah. I mean, well, it's I, good to fail. That's Dude, for sure. That is that is the biggest thing, man. And it really is. Uh-huh. Cuz you learn from it. 
Yeah. And you figure out what you're doing wrong. <laughs> if if I make the same mistake three times, oh, darn it. Yeah. Dang. But if you get it right the first time, that's almost, that's more dangerous. It is more dangerous. And probably on those early days of like patrimony when we first, barely first started hanging out. I mean, we got, as far as where we would go play, we would get attention from people. And we were... Mm-hmm. Definitely not prepared for anything like that at all. In what sense? Uh, let's say one financially. <laughs> <laughs> one financially. Um, yeah. Uh, I, mean, I just mean like uh, it's just not the same. Think about artists like Gorillaz, even Coldplay or people like that. Um, like living like a rock star like that term rock star is dead mm-hmm. that does not exist anymore why because you and i have the same tools that any corporation has so to be like a uh i don't even know like an icon like what is that anymore i mean the closest thing yeah. what what's the first thing that comes to your mind when it's like icon I, I just think of all the classics like Freddie Mercury, I mean, Bowie. Yeah, you can't. I mean, come on, you can't really. I mean, Mac DeMarco because he's a silly guy because he likes to hang. <laughs> I don't know because he makes fun films with his friends. I, I mean, think I think a big part of like meeting m- meeting that icon status is yeah. you're you're like connecting some like lost children sort of group. Like you bring people together, you like you have a particular style that like right. a particular amount of people are like, oh. And there there, there are people what I'm like thinking. that. There's niche. You think about niches, right? Mm-hmm. Where where someone digs into a niche sound like Mac someone like Mac DeMarco definitely has a he has like a pocket that he writes his music in and it works very, very well, just like the Beatles did. Yeah. Like their oh, yeah. what they did matched the timing perfectly. Same with Billie Eilish. I mean, like that, like I said, these people are, they're exactly what the world needs right at the perfect time. I'm not one of those people. I I've realized that. And that it's, it's, I I'm, I'm okay with that. I've accepted that. It's mm-hmm. uh it's okay to be, um, uh, it's okay to think outside the box, whether or not the box of society, whatever it wants you to be, you know, like I said, the world needs a 17-year-old girl that can be punk rock like Nirvana was when Nirvana first came out. Mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm I'm not that. <laughs> I can't I can't really be that. I mean, I could try to be. Well, I don't I don't think they ever had that as an intention when they were making music. Like, like Billy a lot or Nirvana or um, I'd probably lump all of them together. Because probably more often than not, like, they're not going to have that intention. Like, I'm sure Mac DeMarco, like, he enjoyed making those weird videos. And and everybody in the watches enjoys it, too. But he was, (laughs) yeah, but he was was hitting that subconscious chord. Mm -hmm. Because, Mm -hmm. um, like, whether he knew it or not, he was kind of within this, this... um, like neo hipster movement thing that that he kind of united in a sense. He really did. Cause you can, you can totally, you can totally pick it out. I can totally tell any (laughs) musician or artist that I even meet. I can, I can know if they're a fan of Mac. 
Yeah. Well, even yeah. even the even particular people, like just from the style they have, mm-hmm. and they probably didn't exactly pick that up from Mac DeMarco. They were all just kind of part of in it. that group, and then Mac DeMarco came solidified out, this, and then he released Ode to Viceroy, and people were like, oh my god, that's uh, that's exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> that's the vibe. Like I just said. Yeah. But um. Yeah, and I think. I don't know. I'm not as well versed in music history as you are, but I think that like uh I just said his name, Freddie Mercury kind of oh, hit that yeah. same chord too. Oh yeah. Cuz he was definitely uh an outsider that came in and was really like confident with who he was and you need united a lot of people. Which is crazy though because if you think about like the the aspect of like Freddie Mercury, if you see, if you watch those live performances, uh, he's very bigger. He wants something bigger. It's almost like he wanted the future of music, of people coming together, playing, and everyone singing and dancing to one song. And that's almost what like electronic music became. Mm-hmm. Think about uh, like in 1970, uh, Jim Morrison's one of his last interviews. He completely predicted the future of music. 100%. He literally said, What did he say? 20, 30 years from now, it's probably going to be a guy with a machine, one guy in a machine, probably mm. creating music on his own. He literally, I mean, you should go and watch it. It's, it, it's super awesome. And he's probably stoned out of his mind, or <laughs> he's wearing big old glasses, got his big old beard. But yep. I mean, he was literally predicting the, mu- the future of music. Um, single-handedly and that to me is like to be a rock and roll fan it's like you can't ignore that it's like um almost like to me the the number one thing that i know i want to be proud of is that i'm not a revivalist by any means so the idea of like i'm gonna bring rock and roll back I'm going to bring punk back. I'm going to bring folk punk back. Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring EDM back. I'm going to bring commercial rock and alternative rock back. Those and dicey any waters. attitude, <laughs> any, any attitude like that. And there's a lot of those people, man. I'm, I won't say any names, but a lot of the people I meet they're they always talk about wanting to bring something back. And that to me is like an, I almost, diverge myself from an artist no matter what medium mm-hmm. they're in if if they're the kind of person that wants to bring something back it's almost like well why don't you twist it upside down and make it your own fucking thing instead of worrying about what other people want yeah. you know you got to figure out where you're at first and then because that's where i've been at with my artwork is i started creating these scenes like like that one over there oh my god i'm sorry and oh yeah um, I was kind of, I've been perplexed for a while because I'm like, what the fuck am I making? This doesn't like, I can't pigeonhole this. And um, I've been on this search for some months now of like figuring out where my place in the stream of like the art world is. And I think I've kind of got this, I think classical aestheticism is the best way to put it. because it It comes off as abstract, but it's not. Yeah, and I've think. I've been I've been throwing all these different ingredients together, basically. Right. And um, that makes sense. Yeah. Seeing what I like. Right. 
and uh, it was somebody this weekend. I was talking to a photographer who's, uh, I wish I got his Instagram or something because I've forgotten who he is now. <laughs> but um, successful photographer shows, sells nice. out his shows and whatnot. Nice. But he's like, well, you're, you're picking and choosing. And oh, there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I'm like, oh, that's what I'm doing. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. No, not at all. And it goes back to like what you're talking about. If someone wants to bring back punk, it's like, all right, well, figure out what punk means today. And then because punk mess it up. Yeah, when punk rock was its thing, it was like it was probably taking from other places, but it had a, a significant meaning in the time that it came out that I'm sure someone could describe now, but back then I don't know if anyone could describe it. It was just like it's almost like pissed off young. The original people. punks twisted folk music. Like I, I like to think of like Johnny Cash as the original punk. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like I uh, see that. with him plant performing at like a um what was that? What was that uh a jail so that he performed in? Folsom Prison? Yeah, there we go. I yeah, to know. like Yeah. Yeah, he has a record that's him performing at Folsom Prison. So one, nothing like that could ever happen again. Not even Kanye could go pro- like perform in that's true. and he and that is like the main power guy and he couldn't even do that so if you were to think about as far as music history goes like that's like the og punk and then it's like you take you take uh bands like the sex pistols and things and they they twist up simple ideas that are based out of folk music and twist it upside down but then it's the people that don't perform folk music that end up being punk and it's the people that aren't punk that end up being punk. I almost like to think of like people like Billie Eilish and SoundCloud rappers. They're probably more punk than anybody else making music now. Yeah. Well, I mean, what was the what's the basic premise of punk rock in your terms? Uh, I'll it's, try to not describe it. It's like a of the people that are making it and why they're making it. Oh, it's almost like a. Um, it's like they. They care about it sounding a certain way, not meaning that they're deriving from something else, meaning mm-hmm. they, it sounds new, modern, right? Billie Eilish. But F the system. It's going to sound how I want it to sound at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it sounds new, but it's not new. So it's like Billie Eilish's music, you could totally put... um a hard rock drummer, um, a Moog synth player playing the bass notes, a live guitarist, and a frontman girl. And that would be Billie Eilish's live punk band. And they yeah. would perform higher energy versions. But because it's not high energy, that's why it's punk. Mm. So it's like punk against punk. You know what I'm trying yeah. to get at with that? It's weird, and and SoundCloud ever do the same thing. They download a YouTube track that they've never heard before that's the same 16 bars loop four times, and then they rap over it. It's almost like <laughs> this is what it is. That's punk. Yeah. You know? Well, what I was thinking is like the way I would describe punk as a whole in the most generalized thing is 
pissed off young people. <laughs> pissed off young people. And there's always going to be pissed off young people, but always. you can't be a pissed off young person like your dad was a pissed off young no, person. No, that's just dad jokes. Because that's lame. <laughs> and that's no one's going to like it. No. They're going to be like, what are you doing? No. <laughs> <laughs> You're just no, copying and, people. And now it's like, I'm, I'm to a point musically where... Um, I can't fight where where my influences come from, um, and I have to attempt to make new music off of that, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's just kind of one of those things where you accept where you come from and try to move forward with it. Um, some people get lucky, and they're making something that they don't even realize is way ahead of its time, and yeah. they're just in it in the moment. Blah, Nirvana. Let's up on things like that. Um, they changed music forever. Yeah. But the crazy thing is, is like, while Zeppelin was doing Zeppelin, Zappa was doing Zappa. And Frank Zappa went to high school with Captain Beefheart. Captain Beefheart was doing Captain Beefheart. Those are some of the most influential records for that time. So the artists that were making that music were very heavily influenced by Captain Beefheart and Frank Zappa because mm-hmm. they were expanding music. So it's almost like finding your purpose, right? Like where where you can give to the world that gives back to you to keep yeah. back and forth. You well, know? it makes me think, um, we were talking about like subconscious stuff and then you said ahead of its time. What first came to mind is Carl Jung, the psychiatrist from the 1930s. He was way ahead of his time. Yeah, Carl Gustav Jung. Hmm. Um, And this is going to have a couple loops in it. But he was, his main thing is he really developed the idea of the subconscious. Hmm. He was friends with uh, Freud Freud for a while. They were friends until... I can't remember exactly what he said, but he said something contradicting one of Freud's like primary principles and Freud like cut him off because <laughs> Freud was, is kind of crazy, uh, but he, um, he, he is crazy, but he His mind is crazy. Carl Jung did a lot of these self like experimentations basically with automatic writing, which is a, Automatic writing? What is that? What is this? automatic writing? Is something that was originally like uh, I want to say pagan thing, but it was like a witchcraft thing almost, but hmm. not not witchcraft. Self writing meaning like you turn into a certain mood and you let it go, or what? Oh, okay. Here's here's what it is. All the people that claim to be mediums, you know, a lot of people claim to be mediums and talk with the dead. One of their main like kind of tricks. I'm going to call it tricks because I don't believe in mediums. <laughs> One of their tricks is that they'll they'll be communicating with the dead and they'll start writing down automatically without thinking about it. Right. S- s- what the dead As they're person experiencing. is saying. Yeah. So Carl Jung studied a lot of he, like he studied a lot of schizophrenic patients and mm-hmm. he he eventually got into like alchemy and then he wow. got into medium type stuff. And so he saw, he noticed that these people weren't doing exactly what they were saying they were doing, but they were tapping into something subconscious. Yeah. Like yeah. Freud's definition of a schizophrenic is basically says that all of their visions and all of their ideas are negative. They have no value whatsoever. 
That's Freud's but view of it? Freud's view of the subconscious is thoroughly negative. Like he Wow. He his view of the subconscious is huh. that it's populated with our own personal experiences that are repressed from childhood and from onward. So, so trauma and ego pretty much. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So the the chink in that armor is that Carl Jung was working with all these schizophrenic patients and then realized that occasionally, not all the time, but occasionally a patient would have like a very revelatory or significant vision or idea. Huh. And so he, that, that, that made him take it, his assumptions that he got from Freud back a little bit wow. and reassess the situation and then developed the idea of the collective subconscious which is your like inherited um, images and inherited ideas that you kind of get that you get from culture. Yeah. You most likely get them from just being born. Right. Because there's also been a lot of studies with crows. This is really an interesting one is um, they scared multiple generations of crows with a mask on. So they had someone put on some sort of mask that didn't look human at all. Okay. And go and scare these crows. And they did that for a few generations of crows. And then that mask was imprinted in new generations of crows that had never seen the mask before. So they would raise a couple generations with not scaring them from the mask and then just like walk out there and they'd be immediately triggered and scared by the mask. That That's like a subconscious influence. Almost, exactly. Right. So I think that's, I don't know what the, I haven't read that paper or anything. I've just looked at it very briefly. Yeah. But like, that's evidence to that, to the inherited, like, uh, subconscious, basically the collective subconscious. Damn. Um, so Carl Jung being ahead of his time, subconscious exploration, and we were talking about subconscious stuff with music. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of that comes out of like uh the collective subconscious when you're really when you're really speaking to one of those very abstract ideas that mm -hmm. resonates with a lot of people but they don't exactly it can't exactly put their finger, put their on, finger it. on it right but yeah. it's like yeah that makes sense that's something, what i'm something thinking connects. too they don't really know yeah. what it is it's just some once you're once once there's an artist that's like pulling out these really abstract things and articulating them in a way that makes sense to people. That's, I think when you get some of this icon status, right. but then there was also, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Well, yeah. Yeah. The icon status and being ahead of your time. Right. Right. Because, because people then connect with something that you were doing blindly. I want to say blindly that's quote, but subconsciously. It is subconscious, mm -hmm. man. I mean, you can't you can't pinpoint that. It's like, do you want to blame it on fate? I mean, maybe we should ask somebody with an icon status if they would call it fate. I don't think they would. I it's think they'd probably of, say luck. Yeah, you know, it well, was just a synchronicity. But we're talking another another young term. What's that only that, appeals to like fame and notoriety. <laughs> but what you're saying is more of a a more important aspect to it. You know? I'm just kind of trying or riffing on what makes 
um, important art important, basically. <laughs> when does it become important? Yeah, because yeah. there's plenty of yeah. good art. There's oh, lots yeah. of artists that are very lots. skilled and trained. Lots. But yeah. is their artwork going to be monumental? Probably not. So what is that switch that gets flicked? I think it's it's a combination of the of the luck aspect, being in the right place at the right time, or synchronicity, right. saying the right thing at the right time, right? And um, like, yeah, and then the connection with like the the subconscious or the culture or something, which is that a social in, status. You're, you're yeah, or you're articulating something that hasn't been articulated yet. Something along those lines. You know, I I got a pair of overalls about four <laughs> weeks ago. And, uh, Good segue. and, um, a couple of my friends, they said, you're a little late on the game. And that applies exactly to what you just said. Like, you know, the, the, the same thing with social status, you can, you can be late, a late bloomer, you know, mm-hmm. it's almost like, um, if I were to think about the last like six or seven years of my life with touring a lot, a lot, sleeping in cars, sleeping on people's couches, sleeping wherever I could touring over and over and over and over and over again, doing a lot of shows. Um, Mm -hmm. You can do that and still have it mean nothing in the world. Oh, yeah. You know, it's crazy. But I've met bands where they can't even be aware of that. They literally believe in that moment. Like, I'm the only thing in the world that's happening right now. And I envy people who can feel that way now because I can't, you know. It's like when when while I'm performing, I know that I'm very well aware that there's fifty thousand, if you know, more people doing the very same thing, attempting the very same thing as me at the very same time to the very second, you know. And to me, it's like um, I feel very blessed to feel that that way about art because it's it's brought me to a closer place where it really is about making something that you feel is opening some minds and doing something and moving. That's kind of the most important thing. Well, it depends a lot on what your definition of making a change in the world means. Because a lot of the time, for what any normal person can do, any normal person can make a huge change in the world. Yeah. Because what is the world? Usually it's like your work, where you live, your community, and like your commute. Yeah. Because I feel like in a world that's more interconnected, people have a bigger concept of what making a change in the, in the world is and they want to like hit that Justin Bieber level where even people in China know who you are. But you can make a change in the world just by like I don't know, releasing some music that your friends really like or something yeah. like that. No, that brings I, like a small group of people together. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's so weird, man. Chasing, but both sides of the coin are chasing something are like a dream was fun and all, but it's really strange to like you know put out a song and and have like somebody that is closer to me actually reach out to me and say that they enjoyed it. You know, yeah. I mean that's very it's almost more rewarding than anything else really. And it's funny that you started this whole thing off with asking about odd fellas, because I met them five years ago when patrimony was touring through Amarillo and, um, through, 
I hope I'm telling the truth. This is what they tell me. But <laughs> apparently from seeing that show and stuff, there was three members of Oddfellas that are in Oddfellas now. And apparently they, they seeing that show made them want to start a band. Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow. I mean, that that right there is a way bigger thing to me than probably any ever number could ever present itself to me. You know, it made me feel more proud. Like, yeah. wow, I mean, that's cool that something I was a part of influenced somebody. But at the same time, cool. you can't let your ego get in the way of that because the second that you're wasting any time saying my ego created something that inspired somebody else is a, is a moment that you could spend making and working on something more. So Mm -hmm. I don't know, you know, you can't like, you can't go on that. It's like, that's like the same attitude of like a, like a, um, a star football player in a high school three, a team like sisters, Oregon, (laughs) you know, and they haven't played football since they graduated. Town of 2,500 people. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, if you want to be like that, I mean, go ahead, you know. But to me, man, I, you know, like to just today I finished up the Sun EP. And, uh, Congratulations. The first thing I wanted to say on the EP was not my words, and they were Carl Sagan's words about the sun, you know. Mm. Yeah, just talking about the relativity of the sun on how – uh our births are are connected to the sun's rise and the sun's the sun's leave and then the moon takes over which is very weird because again it's that diving into subconscious stuff man like i i did not plan any sort of moon and sun reflection it just kind of came throughout my own demise and my own doubt and my own uh, hope so 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 you, oh i wonder what's causing that damn it you're talking to the microphone a little bit. Check. More. Sorry. I don't know what that was. Some sort of computer failure. Like the sun and moon thing, that sounds very cliche to me. Now looking at all that past is like, you know, I'd be like, yeah, who would come up with the idea of like saying sun and moon? Like that's this very like uh, black and white, mm-hmm. you know, mono way to think. But like it very, it really did come very naturally. Um, uh, having other players on music all came literally for me, just not having anything better to do and just literally meeting up with people um, and just hearing their ideas and writing with it and having my phone instead of a professional studio. Yeah. So that's just the reaction of that, you know, and that, that's why I think uh, I could believe in something like that because again, it comes from a, probably a more honest place uh, than I would do as an artist um, if I were to think about it, you know? Yeah. So what do you what do you see for the future of this project? A profit drama? Yeah. Um, honestly, it's probably uh, more focused on other people rather than me. Just keeping it open? Yeah, I just, I just want to connect dots, you know? Um, what do you mean by that? Uh, like the, the Moon or Pete song, which... Uh, seem to be the one that's gathered like the most traction um, was a song that on the chorus I had lyrics but I didn't have any way to do it really and I went over to another person's house and I asked my friend Kiana to come take pictures and then for whatever reason she sang that chorus and then it just happened to work 
So it's mm. like, uh, my ego four or five years ago would have definitely gotten in the way of that. It's like, Oh, that's my thing, you know? But it's like, no, uh, you, you don't get, get in the way of the art. You let the art tell you what to do, you know? So it just happened again. It really did just happen, man. It was really random. And luckily my phone was charged. So <laughs> it got on there. It wouldn't have, it honestly yeah. would have not happened if I, if yeah, if that, yeah. Cause I probably would have doubted it and probably would have just said, Oh, it's shitty iPhone music. But in the end, uh, now, now that it's out, I can say that it actually sounds pretty good. I actually mm-hmm. really like how it sounds. So I'm like, okay, I can't really fight that. If it sounds good. It sounds good. I don't know. Yeah. You got to keep things open as much as possible. <coughs> Granted, I did work on the song arrangement wise for three months which I had never done before on any piece of art. Time. It's a lot of, yeah, a quarter of a year. Um, Do you ever feel like you want to perform these live or are you just going to let them exist I got, as they are? I got rehearsals for a live band out of Bend uh, going on for this project. Um, um, I'm calling it the Around the Bend live band. But my plan, <laughs> my plan actually is to... Uh, tour in Europe next year. I got a buddy out of Amsterdam that's putting together a live band for it. And we'll do a couple of weeks next year out of Amsterdam. So again, the whole idea is that maybe I had a part to do with creating the things, but it's really based on other people to make it work. You know, not really me. That's cool. Yeah. How many times have you been in Europe touring for music? Zero. Zero. <laughs> I thought you went at least once. No. Never have just, just DIY coast to coast. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, technically, technically with though. Europe, it's still DIY. But I mean, nowadays it's like you hit a guy up on Facebook and pay him money. I mean, that's is that considered professional? Sure, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what's considered professional. I don't. I really don't. The lines are blurred to me, man. I don't know. It um. I mean, there's there's that rule of thumb for ten thousand hours oh. or something, but I think that's been pretty thoroughly disproven. It's different. It's disproven. that you don't need. Yeah, it's not the amount of time that you're putting in something. It's, it's about consistency. It's it's quality and consistency, man. Mm-hmm. It really is. It. I I am a lot better of a performer if I do it more often. I know that very much. Oh, absolutely. You know, or just like uh, maybe if you're showing. Like a piece, uh, like a painting, to somebody, mm-hmm. you get more in the flow if you actually, like if you if you focus so heavily on one person's opinion, that defeats the purpose. Oh yeah, your art is meant to be open to gratification, reassurance, or judgment off of anybody. The more, the merrier, right? The more people that look at your art, the more. Oh, absolutely. It's influenced whether or not it's negative or positive. So like, it's almost like if you could make more art that gets just more judged by people, that's almost, that's a goal of mine is uh, just to have a higher number of people that are aware that it exists. I think that's, Mm -hmm. I think that's a a goal that I haven't achieved at all um, that I want to. That's still a very, a very good goal, but it's not really because I want to be known for myself. It's more, uh, I just want people to know that it exists. Yeah. You know, 
Um, I was thinking of a few ideas today. Just like like ideas. Well, f- so first of all, let me back this up. Okay. Um, there was this thing called the Cacophony Society that was around in like the eighties and nineties. I think it earliest the earliest it was around was like in the seventies, mainly Bay Area. Okay. And like I San know Francisco about it. and stuff. Yeah, San Francisco. I know about it because uh, Chuck Palahniuk, Palahniuk, he's the guy who wrote Fight Club and a whole other Mm, lot of books. He was in it for a time. Okay. I was listening to an interview and he was kind of describing what it was about. And they they actually started Burning Man. They did the original Burning Mans back in the seventies. They what they would do is they would like uh, just make these really cheap fast made like uh plywood sculptures and then go down to the beach and light them on fire oh my god <laughs> and that's a great they did, way to start a festival they did all sorts of crazy shit that got picked up like um he was telling a story about how there's a marathon in san uh-huh. francisco where like okay. hundred thousand people are running this marathon the streets packed everybody's going the same direction so what they did is make salmon costumes and run the opposite direction. Okay. <laughs> so hold on. So they're in you're salmon saying costumes. salmon suits like literally like with salmon skin. Is that what you're talking about right now? I don't know exactly what it was. I'm sure they had. I'm pretty sure that's what those are. At the least, they had a fish head. Oh my god! And they were going against the the flow of this marathon <laughs> in a sea of people jumping around and shit. Like we were talking around. about punk music, right? And um. <laughs> Yeah, and and Nike picked it up. Nike used wow. that for an ad campaign. Of course they did. <laughs> wow. And wow. Um, so I've been thinking of these things like, what sort of fun thing can I do to just... Because I've always had this thing, like I want to be in the news. I want some sort of coverage. I want to do it in like some mildly anarchistic way. But I don't really want to go to jail. How do you do that? Um, you need I to thought, not put this in the podcast if you can. Can you do that? Can you chop this part out? <laughs> yeah, but why? Because you need to get a hand job at BJ's. What? That's ironic. That's why. You need to get a hand at HJ at BJ. I'm not going to do anything like that. That's that's crazy okay. talk. Okay. I have a girlfriend, man. I'm in a happy, committed relationship. There's... There's got to be ice cream shops Anyways, around there. Well, <clears throat> let me tell you my idea. Because I don't think I'm going to do it, but it's a halfway decent idea. I was just joking. <laughs> I was just joking. <laughs> just joking. It was just the first thing that popped in my head, which is really fucked up. So. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, BJ's. Is that a burger joint? It's an ice cream joint. It's an ice cream joint here. In our town. It's, yeah. I've... I've made jokes about that place. Yeah, since exactly. I was in high yeah, that's the first thing that came. Right I forgot out. about it. I you just reminded me that it exists. I've never been there. I um, went there twice. Yeah. Nice. Was it good? Second time was better. Second time was better. Noted. Um, one of my ideas was like because I'm planning this move to Chicago. Yeah, figuring out how to do it, and I have a lot of shit. So I'm like, okay, how am I going to get rid of half this stuff? And, um, like, I can throw a lot of stuff away. My paintings, though, my paintings that aren't that good, I don't want to throw them away. Don't get them I'd away. rather do something with them. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of having an art fight. 
Is this worth so this filmed? is the concept. Um, sure. This is the concept, though, is that you make it some sort of competition. Okay. And I'm going to take all of these strips of canvas, all of the canvases, the ones that I don't particularly like that aren't that great, but are pretty <laughs> decent. I'm going to cut them up into strips that you can hold with your hand and hit people with. <laughs> and number them. Like, new, alphanumerically number each piece so you can put it back together. And then, so it can still be the art piece. Yeah, so the art piece is still out there. It's been broken into pieces, and the goal is to go find other people that have strips of art and then fight them for it uh. <laughs> publicly on like one of the art walks that we do. And then you wind up with art at the end of it. I mean, you got to yes. stitch it back yes. together and shit. No, that 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 is awesome. <laughs> I would love to be a part of it. It's just getting people together to do that. I would, I'll, I'll be a part of it. <laughs> I'd love to, man. I don't I know. Think, about, I don't know about these two though, because they kind of go together really well. I like these two pieces a me lot. Too. I probably wouldn't do that. Don't do that this to them. Behind me, probably not. No. There's a piece that I used concrete with. That would be violent. I probably won't do it with that piece, but it'd be fun. Just cut it up. If because I the, if I get a concrete oh piece, God, I'll be happy. Be, that would be that would be brutal though because i could cut it up into because the concrete's just at the bottom okay. and it's a four foot tall piece so you have like a foot of concrete at the bottom oh my God. you can cut it into a piece where you'd have like three feet of canvas and you have like a <laughs> fucking mace <laughs> that would be painful you're stepping up on a whole new level of art <laughs> yeah i'm <laughs> Fuck 3D art. This is human D art. <laughs> feel it. This you feel it now, Mr. Krabs? Four dimensional. It's, uh, you get your three regular dimensions. The fourth dimension is pain. <laughs> it's suffering and consequence and resent. Prepare yourself, folks. Nobody steal that because I'm thinking about doing it now. Seriously, more seriously. Google is literally listening right now. <laughs> They're about to patent it. I'm sure they are. You can patent it. I don't care. I mean, I am, but I'm just <laughs> I just gotta like go to the newspaper outlets and all the people that write right the for sisters the, nugget they got all the goods, not the sisters nugget, <laughs> fuck that place, no, like the the art journals and whatnot, and hit up the writers and be like, "Hey, I'm doing this really strange thing. Make sure to show up <laughs> art experiment I'll man. let you in on it. It's an experimental art literally exhibition. keep it top secret though, don't tell them any details. To say it, I got yeah. an art experiment. This is yeah, happening if you at, at Times a, Square. Yeah, if you want to be a part of it, meet me here. Yeah, and we'll, alleyway. we'll look you in. If you just want to cover it, this is where we'll be at. And if they show up, give them a couple strips of canvas. Be like, all right, you're going to fight people <laughs> with my artwork. It's literally and got like can, a, a concrete slab with a smiley face on it. That's pretty bad. Oh, man. I would just... Because I could only make like two, like four of those. So I'd have to give those out to some very specific people and be like, all right, I'm trusting you with. Yeah, like the ones that are going to actually just fear people or, and not hurt people. Yeah, that'd be great. I'll be yeah. one of those guys. Yeah. I'll I mean, the rest out. of it, the rest of it's canvas like being, like being slapped. <laughs> kind of sting a little bit, but it's not going <laughs> to knock a tooth out. <laughs> I think that's great. I think you should follow through with this idea. That's what I think. I might. I think, uh, uh, what's that new uh, candidate for president? What's your name? 
The new president lady. She's going for 2020. I don't know. There's like just 40 Democratic nominations. She's the main one. She got um, Elizabeth Warren. Is that who you're thinking of? It might be. It's a gal that just like a week ago got uh, her Google search got blocked. So she could no longer be searched by Google. Oh. I don't know who it was. Damn. Was it the AOC chick? She's friends with Bernie. She's running for office. I don't know. I try to stay out of politics. Me too. And then, and then through profit drama. Yeah, I mean, you can anybody who's listening can tell that's straight up profit drama. (laughs) That both of us don't really know about politics because we can't come up with any names. No, (laughs) (laughs) all the stuff I get secondhand. Yeah. Just, Wouldn't that be funny for like a Fox, uh, a Fox special where they're they're saying like, oh that one guy, you know, he was a. Uh, they're talking about Trump. Yeah. And they're like saying like, oh that one guy, you know, he was. Wait, who's Trump? Swinging around. Who's Trump? <laughs> um, you know, like the 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 when the the tree that's cut down at at the at the Trump, and, and oh. the, your 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 son, he's playing Yu Gi Oh with his friends. He just got his card deck slider thing on his arm and he's running and he trips over the Trump. That's the Trump. They elected one of those stump things. Yeah. It just That's makes crazy, people trip man. over. I mean, it's crazy. I don't even know how that could happen. That's gonna, I really don't. Um, that must've been a pretty rich stump. There's a lot of things to trip over in this life, but, um, yeah, especially like LSD. What is OSD? I don't know. That brings me back to another point. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking about uh, Captain yeah. Beefheart and all oh. them like going to the same areas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Frank Zappa went to high school with Captain Beefheart. It happens all the time. And it's the weirdest shit, dude. Um, Carl Jung, Albert Hoffman, hmm. and the uh, Albert Hoffman's the first guy to synthesize, synthesize LSD. Okay. Um, okay. And uh, what was the third person? Like the Dadaist, oh, to make, make like a copy of LSD, like a copy of of the chemical compound. No, he created it. He oh. was he was a chemist, and he was playing with argot fungus and some other stuff, and he made this substance, which is LSD two five, two five, and that's how it got synthesized. It's I've not had two five CB. Or C or two five C or something. I don't know. It's there's based so off much, that or something. There's so much misdirection in drugs and stuff. People, nobody knows what they're <laughs> talking about. Nobody, not even me. And I'm pretty well versed. Yeah, man. This is this is C. This is C B C D F G. Man, you you gonna know talking about? There's. I know that there's about a million different versions of LSD. Because people are, they're trying to stay above of the leg, trying to stay ahead of the legislation. Hmm. Because for something to be illegal, they have to make that specific chemical compound illegal. So, so that if they make always, any altercation, yeah, there's always these rogue chemists that are trying to make a different drug that has similar effects mm-hmm. that can be distributed legally in this gray area because it's not 
written into legislature as illegal yet. Mm. So people do that. That's research chemicals and all that shit. Um, so that's where all the, like the different two C I for whatever two C B. That's what that's what I took. There's like, there's like 2CB, there's 2CI, there's 2C something else. I don't know what any of it fucking means. Um, But anyways, so Albert Hoffman, Carl Jung, the Dadaist art movement, which is Salvador Dali was a part of, the Surrealists. You've seen the picture with the melting clocks. Yeah, yeah, of course. That's Salvador Dali. Yeah. They were all in Switzerland at the same exact time. Yeah, how can you... uh... What the fuck was in the water? How can you? No, you it's can't. just that's 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 the subconscious realm that I'm that that both of us are 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 reaching in. Yeah, we're all, and I'm our gonna, hands in the are in the water, man. I think so. I you think, know? and this is getting into some pretty pretty treacherous waters, but I think that no, there it. is definitely a local aspect to the collective subconscious. Yeah, and you're you're connected on some level to yeah. the people that you're around. Absolutely, whether it's just because. People have been in that same area for a while and like you've got the same sort of subconscious genes for the last 15 generations right. or something like that. Right. But Fam- there's, families there's, to families growing up with their kids, growing yeah. up around their kids. And I think right. it's a combination of that, the culture that you that you like a, appropriate as a, as a little baby, because most of the imprinting that you get is done by three years old. So which is strange been, because yeah I switched a lot in them. So what does it mean if um if you're in a, cult- a cultural uh environment that's teaching a certain thing and what if even to your parents extent um what if they are rebellious to it? Does that mean that you are now in a, a separate category? Like a a creative thought process, maybe you that's know. That's a great question. Because I've had I've experienced that, man. You know, I've yeah. Like uh, my parents being in California and in Oregon, then me living in Tennessee and stuff. I've there's different there's different cultural games to play in, and some things I agree with, and some things I don't. Yeah. You know. I think I don't know. I feel like a good majority of what makes you like either rebellious in some sense or counterculture is your personality. Yeah. Because like for me, I grew up in a pretty traditional, uh, family. My parents were both married. They're, they're still married. They're religious and all of that stuff. But like, I found my own way to like metal and punk rock and this counterculture stuff. Yeah. And um, I was not taught any of that. Like, I, I found a little bit of it. I got my jumping off point, at least in the music spectrum of things, from my dad's CD collection. Okay. Because, like, he had, like, a Nickelback CD in there. <laughs> and, um, like, Boston and some other random ones that I can't remember right now. I mean, but I remember finding those. Say. Yeah. Oh, and a Shaggy CD. Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's that song with Shaggy? Uh, oh, it's the, I'm not even going to... Shit, it just came on the radio the other I'm day. I heard it. There. It's the, like, the one where you got caught cheating, you're probably thinking of. Say it wasn't you. But the acoustic guitar. The and the, yeah. It wasn't me. So it wasn't me. It wasn't me. Yeah, I listened to that as a kid. 
Have you listened to it and, recently? Um, yeah, because it was on the radio. Was it? <laughs> that was on the radio recently? In Chicago. It was a throwback station. Oh, uh, okay. I'm yeah, sure. yeah. So that, it makes sense. How long were you there? Like six or seven days, right? I was About there a week? for a week. Yeah. I got there Monday night and I left the next Monday evening. Nice. Almost seven days exactly. Nice. Yeah, I was in Chicago for a few days and then I went to Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. I ate some good cheese. And is there uh, at Lake Geneva, is there a dock where you can fill up gas on your um on your boat? On your boats or anything, anything. Um, and is there like a toad outside and like a little food area you can go get food in? I don't know anything about the lake. I spent it it all at one house in particular, like around there. And I yeah. kind of I was just on that one property most of the time. I went out on some boats. Some some friends of the family there we nice. hopped on their boat and like took some cruises. But it was mainly at night. Oh yeah. Uh, one time, which is cool. Well, we took two t- cruises during the day. I don't remember any of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Some people yeah. go hard at night on the lake, though. Holy oh, man. shit! I mean, if we Lake Geneva up, is the lake that I was, we Patrimony was hanging out in, then I'm pretty sure that's the lake okay. it was uh, in Wisconsin. I was party boating somewhere, or doing something. I don't Possibly. Know. I mean, that could be it. There's lots of little lakes. And um, it was a bigger lake. It was a pretty, it was a good sized lake that we were at. Um, lots of really big houses around it. Yeah. That's like a big vacation area for a lot of people in Chicago, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, we might have been in the same lake. I don't know. But we uh, rolled up, we rolled up on this one crew or floated up to this one crew. <laughs> like someone was trying to meet up with their friend or something like that. Just lost. And we found them. <laughs> And it was three boats tied together because they'll okay. do that pretty frequently. They'll tie together. One of them had like the f- fucking most obnoxious lights on it. You can imagine it was going to the music and they had the music cranked. Oh, man. And so much testosterone on one boat, dude. <laughs> I yeah, was not to prepared have for any, any like, testosterone <laughs> on it must feel weird. Yeah. Well, we like. were kind of just hanging out. Um, shooting the breeze not really we were kind of we were just bullshitting and like it was like half hyped half hyped we weren't on 10 we were on like a cool six yeah everybody that you talked to was like oh man yeah and then we got to these boats and everybody's like bro is that you jeffrey And like, random ass name. I bet you there was like a, a good crate of jewel pods on oh the boat. My God. <laughs> it was so great. I loved it. <laughs> but after five minutes, I was ready to go. Um, Did you go after five minutes? Yeah, we left after five minutes. We showed up and they found their one friend. He hopped on the boat and we were out. <laughs> And the guy who hopped on the boat, he's like, dude, I don't even know where at, well, who half those people were, but I got them together. That's what I'm saying, though. With those kinds of people, it's very strange, man, because you can meet somebody like that that's so uh, like overly connecting off the bat, and that's how you know they're a person that you're never going to talk to again. Mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting you say that, because the guy who hopped on our boat, he was 
he was saying, he's like, yeah, I organized that whole thing. And now I'm leaving. And I was like, I don't even know who half those people were. <laughs> That's how it works, cool. man. I mean, it's tough, man. It's Well, I, I guess it's only tough if you're trying to share something with with those people. I mean, if you're just out yeah. having a good time, what does it matter, you know? If you're out to throw back some white claws and puff, I don't what is up with white jewels. claws now, man. I don't, I don't it get has it. vodka in it. I know, but like I was that. drinking them like three years ago. Does it make me hip? No. It you doesn't. didn't make music about it. That's where you fucked up. Yeah. Oh yeah. You should have you should have cashed out on that. I should have released really <laughs> black claw coming around to get you. Yeah. That Zavodka's playing uh Black Ops three. I don't know. That could have been a, that could have been a deal, man. I could have told Black Ops uh, if they do a zombies match, that I'll I'll release a track called Black Claw, sponsored by White Claw. Well, here's here's a question for you. You know how? Um, I don't know. This is very. I don't have any personal experience with this. I'm ass, I'm assuming about half of this, but like. Rappers will rap, rap about like drinks or clothes before they're really popular and yeah. then they'll get popular. Yeah. So the question is, did they make it popular with before? their song that they came out with or were they onto something before everyone caught onto it? Like you and White Claws. I mean, White Claws are okay. <laughs> Maybe that's my problem is because I was too judgmental on it. I've never had one. No, there was almost something with Dutch Bros for a little while, for a couple of years, but um, I decided against it because. Oh, you were working with Dutch Bros. Yeah, yeah. Patrimony had a couple, couple things. They were, um, they recorded us in their headquarters, and they were going to put it out on vinyl. Um, hmm. They were also going to put us on a, on a bus, and we we would legally be um, a uh, public relations to dutch bros because they were only uh to the west they were only to idaho and they wanted to expand further and we were traveling to oregon tennessee so that almost happened but at this you know i'm glad you didn't do that it's just one of those things man yeah what i'm talking about is what we were talking about earlier with catching on to the cultural trends and what you might have been ahead of the game on the white claw cultural trend i didn't i didn't do it and you didn't do it. Well, it, it sounds like the <laughs> next one, I'm going to get it then. Well, next you probably one. didn't have the inspiration for it. I, I've never been a vodka guy, so <laughs> that's it, man. I'm always whiskey. So a whiskey guy. Damn it. I'm sure that'll happen. Gosh, dune tartan. We got to bring back the whiskey, man. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Jack tastes more terrible than ever. So I drank a whole fifth of Jack to myself one time when I was 17. It was terrible, terrible experience. Um, It was the whole fifth minus like three or four like swigs from a friend of mine. So I've had like four swigs tonight, and I'm I'm good. So that's I'm I'm imagining this right now. How many how many milliliters are in a liter? Is that oh that's seven? No, no, it's a thousand because that's metric, and metric makes sense. A thousand in a liter. A thousand milliliters in one liter. Mm-hmm. So I mean, that I makes drink, sense. Yeah. If I drink a liter minus his pulls, I probably drank nine hundred and forty <laughs> milliliters. <laughs> so, so oh I God. just round. I just round that up to a whole fifth. <laughs> oh boy. 
drink. But um, that was a mess. God, I never drank that shit again. Alcohol's bad, man. Mm-hmm. It's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. <coughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, it, what do you think? Should we wrap this up? Yeah, let's wrap it up, man. Thanks for letting We're me talk. We're like m- hundred and ten minutes. Yeah, thanks for letting it's me uh, bullshit about my uh, my art putting out. Yeah. What's uh, where? Where should people? If anyone has made it to the end of this podcast, um, we love you. And where should they find your stuff? I love you. Uh, anywhere you play music for free. Listen to it. Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon, Google Play, iTunes, which will soon be up by the end of 2019. Cool. Bandcamp. Do you get, use, uh, what social media do you use most? Instagram? It's mainly Instagram, yeah. What's your Instagram? It's um, 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 Profit Drama or Trevor Dot Martell. That's my name. In case anybody wants to know what my name is. Cool. This cool. is this my name. I just I feel like that should be at the end of a podcast. I'll put all the links in the description. People will be able to find that really easily. But um yeah, Trevor Martell everybody. Shut this thing down. <laughs> <laughs>